We're in a series called Journey to the Cross. Uh, is he worth following? Um, I want to answer that yes, but John answers that you should believe, right? That you may believe. And when we get to Easter, that will be the title of the message, That You May Believe. And I hope that you'll uh, have an opportunity to bring your friends, but we'll just see at that point, right? You can invite them online. Maybe that's less threatening anyway uh, than coming to John Marshall and hanging out with all of us mojos. Um, so, Last week I talked about, as we started this series, uh, Surrendered to Suffering. And uh, I don't know if that was relevant or not, but I think we had some suffering this week. I sure did. And, and uh, if you've experienced any of that, we wanted to surrender to suffering, just like Jesus did. Our perfect model and example, he surrendered knowingly, he surrendered to suffering willingly, and he surrendered to suffering strategically. So I'm just thinking about that with the virus and everything that we're going through is like, are we knowingly going to walk into this week knowing it's probably going to be a really hard week, right? Are we willingly going to step into even harm's way at times? I mean, you came here, that's, that's a step. We could all stayed home. Um, but are we willingly going to uh, step into suffering and then strategically, right? Um, hey, if we're going to suffer, we might as well um, suffer in such a way that others will see God's glory and uh, glorify him, right? So that's what we're going for. That's what we talked about last week. Today, as we've encountered uh, many fears this week, uh, with the disease and our own personal lives, I'm sure you have fear of your own, um, I'm going to talk about facing our fears, facing your fears. So I'm going to intro with just a few of my own fears, um, not to make light of the coronavirus, um, but I have some fears and they're kind of funny. I have a fear of snakes. I hate snakes. And God created snakes, so I'm not sure I should have, hate snakes, but I do want to have dominion over them, which means they should be behind glass, right? So um, I'm not a snake guy. Um, I almost got to the point in the message where I was like, I have no fear. I should just go in a room with snakes. And then I was like, no, that's dumb. All right, so I didn't do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do think this passage will get you to a place where you're like even willing to face your silly fear, Right? Um, because it doesn't feel so fi silly when it's yours. I have a fear of not heights, because I can be up high, like on high ropes course or something. But what really freaks me out is when the trees go like this, you know. If it's like a standard uh, cement thing, I'm like, oh, I'm good, you know. But like when the, I have a fear of falling. It's not a fear of heights. I can be really high, but I'm, I have a fear of falling. And I fell once, and I think that's um, maybe even the original thing with my whole back injuries, and, and, and it was like, sixth grade or something, and I think it's always been there since then, just a fear of falling. And, um, but this, I'll get serious, uh, this is a fear, my greatest fear, and I've had to parse this over 45 years, what are you really afraid of, Steve? Um, people have asked me oftentimes, what are you really afraid of? And uh, I think if I was to boil it down to, my greatest fear is that I will not obey God. That's the greatest fear. That he would say, do this, and I would say, like Jonah did, no. I want to go the other way. <laughs> now, he gave Jonah a second chance. Jonah came back. That was all fun. Um, and then Jonah kind of, you know, that whole, you can go read Jonah. That would be fun. But not obeying God. So grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm maybe even going to do that in this message. I hope not. I'm, I'm targeting not to do that. But 
you know, I might say something that I, I, I don't want to say or that doesn't come off right or, I mean, that's, that's kind of normal for somebody that's going to talk straight for 40 minutes, right? Like, that's, that's, that's kind of going to happen. Um, I'm going to do things that will grieve or quench the Holy Spirit at times, and we hope to repent and get back on the path. Uh, just like I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get sick at times, right? Uh, if this disease comes to our city, many of us are going to get sick. Uh, Lord willing, it won't be to death. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> but I'm going to get sick. And uh, just like one day I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I mean, it's a point on demand wants to die. We're all going to die <laughs> at some point. And I know that's not like cheery news unless you really, really, really have a solid relationship with Jesus Christ where you're so confident you can say, as Paul did through all his sufferings and trials, for to me to know is Christ, right? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, how could he say that? Because he wanted to go home to be with Christ. And I think um, that's where I'm at. And so facing your fears, that's the title of the message, seeing fear for what it truly is. We want to see fear for what it truly is. So first, let me define it for you. Webster's, Webster's Dictionary does a great job. <laughs> Here we go. Fear. A distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc. Whether, uh, whether the threat is real or imagined, the feeling or condition of being afraid. Second definition. Concern or anxiety. I'll skip the third because it was just about the same. The, the fourth definition, reverential awe, especially towards God. Bam, that's what we want. All this other stuff is like real, but this is what we really want. Okay, so let me say it this way. You might want to write this down. Well, you probably don't have a pen. We didn't hand out sheets. How about you like memorize this? This is it. This is the message. <laughs> we need not fear anything else if we rightly revere God. Okay, let me say it again. We need not fear anything else if we rightly revere God. If we reverence God, if we fear God in a way that he's asking us to, we, we have nothing to fear, guys. Just a few more definitions. Something that causes feelings of dread or apprehension. Anticipation of the possibility that something unpleasant will occur. To consider or anticipate something unpleasant with a feeling of dread or alarm. Um, you know, when I hear the word pandemic, which came out this week, uh, that makes me have some fear, some anxiety, some worry, and, and maybe rightfully so. You ever played the game pandemic? Like, I like to play games with my kids, so we played the game pandemic several times. Maybe we'll play it today. I don't know, but because uh, we're going to be home a lot. But we play the game pandemic, and pretty soon you flip over a few cards, and this thing's like going all over the world, and it's like, oh, how we lose. Here's the thing. There may be loss of life from this very serious disease. That's true. But we just saying, I'm going to see a victory. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you're in this room or you're online, Right? And you can know him. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. Just ask him. Call out to him. Say, I'm a sinner. Save me. 
He will. And when we die, that's gain. With that in mind, we still face fears as believers even in Jesus Christ. Anxieties, concerns, alarms, whether real or I don't know if the threat's real, whatever. You know, it's just, it's just whatever it is. Seeing your fear for what it truly is. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to see our fear for what it truly is. So I'm in John chapter 18. Flip over in your Bible if you have one. Otherwise, get on your electronic phone. John chapter 18. I'm just going to read the whole thing. This is a kind of a theater, like a, um, how do I say it? Um, a play. It's a drama playing out on two stages, one over here and one over here. And it's kind of like flipping back from one to the other, right? It goes scene one, scene one, scene two, scene two. And it's going back and forth, and that's what the passage is doing. So let me just read it for you. Um, John chapter 18, verse 12. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. Underline bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. You just want to underline that. Caiaphas was the high priest that year. That is the truth. It's going to get confusing in a second, but that's the truth. Just, Just know that. Caiaphas was the high priest that year. All right. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient... Necessary that one man should die for the people, like a sacrifice almost. John eleven forty seven through fifty three. I don't know if we're going to get to that verse or not, so write that down. John eleven forty seven through fifty three. Simon Peter, okay, leaving the one scene, going to the other scene, right? Uh, or the one drama, going to the other drama. Same scene one. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple, since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside the door. Why do you think he stood outside the door? Why didn't he bang it down? Why didn't he go in? I'm just going to submit to you fear. So the other disciple, in case you're like, who in the world? Is he ever going to say who this is? You're going to have to study hard and dig deep. But I believe John 21 lets it out of the bag that this is John, the author of the book. Okay, so you can go study that on your own. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? Eh? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. Just the detail of that means whoever's writing this is an eyewitness, right? Right? to this occasion. That's a good evidence for that. And they were standing and warming warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. 
Now back to the other drama, scene two. The high priest, not to be confused, this is talking about Annas, who, again, it's going to be confusing, but isn't actually the high priest, just recognized as it by the Jews. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Who, who, who did you tell this to? Who's around you? Who likes you? And what are you saying? Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly. Underline that openly. That's how we should speak, openly, boldly, plainly, about the things that God has taught us. His message, his word. I've speak, spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews can't come together and have said nothing in secret. He, he's basically saying this isn't an insurrection. This isn't behind closed doors. This isn't like some kind of like, you know, we're going to pull the wool over your eyes. Like, this has always been the truth. That's what he's saying. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. Literally what he's doing, and, and again, you've got to kind of know um, Jewish law and all these different things. What he's doing is he's, he's just kind of pushing back gently, nicely, to say, uh, this isn't a real trial. Right? What you're doing is illegal. This isn't really right. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by uh, struck Jesus. Now, I don't know if that strikes you, but it, it, uh, it, it, it bothers me, because that could be me. He struck Jesus with his hand, saying, is that how you answer the high priest? Well, was he the high priest, really? Jesus answered, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? You test these things. Annas then sent him. John must be like, oh, over here, oh, over here. And uh, I wish he could be in two places at once, but I can't. So he's given us the story. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. Okay, something bothers me about this. I'm an intelligent dude, I feel like, to some degree, and so when I read all of John, I think... If somebody told me on the same night that I was going to betray him three times before the rooster crowed, right? If somebody said that to me, I'm kind of a stick it to the man guy. I'm like, for sure I'm not doing that. Do you know what I mean? And my personality is a lot like Peter. So I can kind of just get in the story and say, I'm pretty sure Peter's like going to self-will himself right now to never ever again deny Jesus because it's strike one strike two it's like can't do it again right so I'm just putting myself in the story uh, kind of the same personality as Peter and I'm, I'm just thinking about this like I'm like hey bro that's two times if you do it one more time Jesus is right you're wrong pay attention you know just stop run now 
keeps going, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once the rooster crowed. So, I brought my prop. Remember last week? Didn't, I forgot it at home, but I brought it this time. This is a, this is a sword from Nicaragua. So, I'm, you, know, you know, Peter's like, you know, trying to defend Jesus, right? And, uh, you know, just slices the ear. And Jesus, what does he do? Heals the guy. Gives Peter, like, no life sentence, right, for slicing the guy's ears off. Ears off but you're probably losing an ear, you know. Tit for tat in the Jewish law. You're probably, I'm losing an ear too. I'm getting thrown into prison. I'll probably get 39 lashes, right? Like you're, you're going to get beat up. And uh, Jesus saves him from that. And now Peter, knowing that Jesus can save him from all fear and tribulation and suffering, what does he do? He tries to save himself, doesn't he? You see that? All right. This last phrase and at once the rooster crowed just comforts me so much. And I wrote in my Bible, God is in control. The timing of that, if that doesn't make you so secure, even when coronavirus and COVID-19 is going on, um, you know, you're just kind of like, is God in control? Yeah, he is. He is. I'm going to give you just a couple points. I'm going to give them to you one word at a time. So I'm going to give you the one word quick. Here's four words. Ignorance. We don't have to put them on the screen. I'll just scroll through them. Ignorance, arrogance, compliance, and defiance. I just want you to remember those four words. Ignorance, arrogance, compliance, and defiance. And then I'm going to add a word that didn't make it into the bulletin because the Lord gave me this late. Reliance. All right? Write those five words down. That's going to be the stuff you want to take home with you. You can get it on one, one hand, okay? Ignorance, arrogance, compliance, defiance, and reliance, okay? All right, now, seeing fear for what it is. Fear is first ignorance, the fear of the unknown. In verse 12, it said that they arrested Jesus and bound him. Why did they bind him? He already had said, I'm he, I'll go with you. You know, don't take them, take me. There's no reason for them to bind him. It's a really a formality at best, but I would just submit to you it's fear. Fear that he's going to run off, that he's going to disappear like he's done in crowds before. Fear that his disciples back. It's before what are we doing? And they're like, what? The high priest is like, what are you doing? Do what I said. So you boil it all down. If you really want to get down to it, these guys are just doing what they told. They were told Jesus is bad and to expect the worst. So that's what they're doing. It's a fear of ignorance. It's a fear of the unknown. We got a few kids in the service. And so I remember when I was a kid um, being ignorant with my fear. And so I'm hopefully break some of your fears right now. Um, I remember a fear of like, what's under my bed? You know? And I would like, kind of like, 
jump out of my room, you know. I didn't want to touch the floor in my room. Like, somehow being out of my room was okay, but it being in the room wasn't. It, really kind of weird stuff. I grew up. Trust me, I grew up. And so, here, kids, what's under your bed is dust. And what's under your bed is toys that you've tried to hide quickly when you've, when you've tried to clean uh, quick, right? So, that, that's all that's under your bed, right? No fear of the unknown under there. And then, and then I have a fear of what's, like, what's in the closet, you know, but, but you don't have to fear what's in the closet because I know what's in the closet. Your clothes are in the closet, all right? So you don't have to fear what's in the closet. By the way, Jesus is holding you in the palm of your hand, a palm of his hand. Kids, listen now. You just need to know this from Jesus Christ. He loves you. He's holding you in the palm of his hand. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. He's also giving you parents to protect you, right? What a gift. And they love you very much too. So have no fear, especially of the unknown. And then this, uh, adults, we kind of have a fear of the unknown too. Next day. Next trial. Next thing. <laughs> like, oh. And so, you know, kids, you're not the only ones. When you get older, it'll just be the same thing. We'll just be bigger. Just bigger problems, I guess, if you want to say it that way. Same fear. But here's the application. We know our enemy. Guys, we know our enemy. We know our enemy is sin. We know our enemy is Satan. We know our enemy is spiritual forces in warfare. Uh, and so I'm going to give you a verse for that. Ephesians chapter 6. I'll put it on the screen. Verses 10 through 12. Um, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. You can go read Ephesians uh, uh, in your Bible uh, at home this week, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 would be a great place to park for a while in the midst of this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we honestly know our feet, our, our foe, there's no, did you, Katiali didn't get enough sleep last night? Can I just say that? I've misspoke like 10 times now. I, I'm trying to ignore it, but it just it can't go away. So, and maybe you got five hours of sleep. I'm not going to speak as clearly. It's on me, all right? Um, but we know who our foe is. We know our enemy. It's not each other. It's not COVID-19. It's sin. It's Satan. It's spiritual forces and it's warfare. And we should not be ignorant about that church, okay? All right, two, arrogance. If you look at verses 13 and 14, Annas and Caiaphas are mentioned. Again, I'm going to skip John 11, 47 through 53 because of time, but that's when Caiaphas said, yeah, somebody's going to die. It's going to be Jesus because they're all afraid of him. And even in that passage, there's, there's five uh, really indicators of unbelief. See if you can find them. Worry, control, fear, self-righteousness, and hate. And you could, you could just go online or rewatch this back and, and get it, but go over there to John, 19, uh, John 11, 47 through 53, and see if you can find those things. But what happens here is Annas and Caiaphas, they're scared. But they're not, they're not scared like schoolgirl school scared right? They're not scared like kindergarten scared. 
They're scared like arrogant, proud, I'm the man, you're trying to take my title scared, right? So there's an arrogance here that comes out with an unrighteous trial, with a striking of a man's cheek. Um, it's fear of losing my place. And if you went back to John 11, he actually says that. Caiaphas says that. We're going to fear we'll lose our place in our nation. And so these guys are arrogant, and they think they're in charge, and they want to be in charge. They don't want Jesus to be in charge of the church. They want to be in charge of their religion. And uh, I'm telling you what, let's not fall into that category. This, this thing I want to say, um, they struck Jesus. Now, this just, it's really, really ministers to me. So I, I was like, I, I want to put myself in this story. What if I'm that soldier, right? Would I hit Jesus? And so let's just test your life and different things. And I, I just, was Jesus arrogant to say what he said? The way he said it? I don't think so. So, so was the guy who hit him arrogant? Or, or maybe if he really knew who Jesus was, he wouldn't have hit him. So maybe for him it's ignorance. Maybe we're back to that again. I don't know. Arrogance, ignorance, it doesn't matter. It's a fear and we want to put it away. But we're seeing fear for what it truly is. Ignorance, fear of the unknown. Arrogance, fear of losing my place. Our hope is not in a standing or status. We are who we are because Jesus' love and grace towards us. Are we clear on that? That's good. That's... Our hope is in the Lord. Let's keep it right there. The third thing is compliance. Fear of not fitting in. Compliance. Fear of not fitting in. Um, it says this um, in verse 15 through 18. He says, I'm not. No, I, I'm not with Jesus. Just a little white lie there to the, the girl opening the door. No, I'm with John. Like, you know, it doesn't say that John lied. John's like, yeah, I'm with Jesus. Peter's like, no, no, not me. <laughs> like, what's up? You don't even have to lie. You just get to get in free anyway. John's letting you in. Why does he lie? It's a fear of not fitting in. I might be singled out. Maybe that fear's coming because he sliced the guy's ear off. But that fear is in him. He wants to fit in. He, doesn't want, he wants to be anonymous. He doesn't want anybody to know who he is. Just to fit in, just to go unnoticed. Um, I think of my high school years. I was at John Marshall High School, my senior year. And the fear of compliance. Matter of fact, as a, as a kid that went to church, I, just, I started to swear. I started to curse. And uh, I would do that here at school. I would do that at work. But I would never do it at church and I would never do it at home. And it lived just a completely duplicitous life. Many of you guys know my story with pornography and the duplicity of that. Like, you just, you just live like two different things and you compartmentalize it. What is going on? And for us in the Christian life, we uh, try to shine the flashlight and allow Jesus to come into every closet door, right? And get that all out. We don't want to be, want to be free from any duplicity. Because when we have this compliance thing going on where we want to be in the world or of the world or around the world, 
and fit in, we got problems. And so the need to stay under the radar, the need to conform to the norm, let's just call it that, right? Write that down. Conform to the norm. Do you have a need to conform to the norm? Well, everybody's doing it. Guess I should. Grabbing some toilet paper, right? I haven't been to the store for toilet paper yet, but I really feel like I need to. I'm serious. I've said to my wife, I'm like, should we go get some toilet paper? Because I want to conform to the norm, right? And I don't know if that just what that is, but like we all kind of have that fear, like I must be the wrong person because I'm not saying what everybody else is saying right now. It's a fear of not fitting in, not being in the in crowd, the popular people, or the just majority. Nobody wants to be in a minority. Teenagers, adults do this as well, just so we're clear. We fall into the trap of fear of not fitting in just as much as I did when I was in high school at times. Here's a memory verse for you for this week. It's going to help you and you're going to be able to share it with others. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and of love and of self-control. So I love that he says self-control there. You should use some self-control with who you touch and where you go and what you do this week, right? I'm not telling you to be cavalier. Everybody say he's not telling me to be cavalier. I'm really not telling you to be cavalier. I'm not telling you in Jesus' name, you're never going to get anything. Just go do it. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But God hasn't given us the spirit of fear as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me, right? So we have power and love, not fear. We have self-control, not fear. Fear is not from God. Compliance, fear of not fitting in. So memorize that verse and meditate on that, and that's going to give you a little bit of good uh, uh, comfort for people as you go through. All right, let me wrap it up. Defiance is the last thing. Defiance. So fear of death itself. Fear of death itself. Defiance. You see it here in verse 25, 26, and 27. Peter gets to the point where he's like, no, no, it's not me. Deny, deny, deny. (laughs) He denied it again and again to save his own skin, to avoid imprisonment, punishment, and even death itself. If you put yourself in the story, the reason Peter is getting all uptight and going, no, 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 not me, oh, no, is because he knows this relative is like not just saying, hey, you're one of his followers, but like, hey, you cut off the ear of my friend, my relative, like, we're going to take you down there with Jesus. And don't forget what's happening at the same time in the other scene to Jesus. He's getting hit in the face. You think Peter can't hear that in the next room? And then if you keep reading in the other Gospels, it's not here in John, but if you keep reading the other Gospels, it says that they mistreated Jesus right after that. They spit on him. They mocked him. They, they blindfolded him and said, prophesy who's hitting you. That's going on when Peter does this. You think Peter's not scared for his life? I would be. And in defiance to his Lord and Savior, rejecting the truth that he knew. You just read it, Ron, for us, right? You are the Christ, the Son of God. 
right? And in deniance and defiance to that, he rejects the truth. And sometimes we reject the truth that we're all going to die or that we're going to get sick or that we are even sick already because of our own sin and that we need a Savior, Jesus Christ, because we are already sick with sin. And so let's not defy the fact that sin is our problem, right? Let's not defy the fact that Jesus Christ is our Savior. We need Him to save us. We can't save ourselves from this, from our sin, from anything. Apart from Him, you can do nothing. Just think of the pressure Jesus was under. Now, I'll turn the eyes off of, off of Peter and the pressure he was under. How about the pressure Jesus was under? Can you just imagine the pressure Jesus was under right now in this situation? Why didn't he deny us? Why didn't he defy the Father's will? Why didn't he choose fear instead of walking by faith that the Father had him all along? So I look at this passage, man, and it wrecks me. Because I think in my own strength, in our own flesh, we want to like defy the word of God and the truth of God and reject that we even have a sin problem or that anything's wrong. And let's just not succumb to that pressure. Let's hupomene, let's remain under the pressure we're under whether it's of our own sin or making, or whether it's from suffering that isn't of our own sin or making, let's just remain under it. Can we do that, church? Can we just get under it? Whatever we have to go through, whatever our country has to go through, whatever our city has to go through, can we just get under it and remain under it until Jesus either comes back or allows us to have a reprieve. All right, I need to be done. Kids, you've been so great. Thank you for sitting here. And I want to encourage you guys um, as we leave. And so God gave me this last thing. Um, reliance on God is my resolution. That's it. I'm not going to choose ignorance. I'm not going to choose arrogance. I'm not going to choose compliance. And I don't want to have defiance, okay? But reliance on God is my resolution this week. I'm resolved to depend on Jesus, come what may. That's what I'm resolved to do. I'm going to depend on Jesus. Now, I want you to see that from Scripture so that you may believe, because that's John's point. So flip over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to end right here. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want you to see this for yourself. First Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to read two little snippets here. And this is great as we go into Easter. I'm going to choose reliance. I'm going to choose dependence on Jesus. And here's why. Let your heart be comforted by this. This is First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. I tell you this, brothers and sisters. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We don't put our hope in flesh and blood. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, listen, I tell you a mystery. 
We shall not all sleep. That means to die. We're not all going to die. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound. And the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality. I know that's a lot of big words, kids. Ask your parents to explain it later. They're like, thanks, guys. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written. This is it. Death is swallowed up in victory. We sang that earlier. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. It's legalism. We're not sinless. We can't even do this apart from God and His grace. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I mean, that's encouraging. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ yet and you're in the room or whether you're watching online, I want you to flip back the next page to chapter 15, verse 1. And I want you just to start reading there and just keep going down through verse 11. I want you to ask Jesus Christ to save you. Save you from coronavirus, save you from COVID-19, but no, more importantly than that, save you from your own sin. That's why he died. He died for our sin. Not to save us from some kind of virus other than our sin. And I pray that you'll embrace Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening, checking this out online. We're here for you. We know this is a hard time. If you're lonely, reach out. Don't isolate yourself. If you're anxious, get in the word. It'll be a balm for your soul. Reach out to your groups. Stay in contact and connection. Right? You're not fighting your battle alone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen.